Hello everyone, welcome to One Shed Brain Cell, the podcast for tarantula keepers. Um, I'm Fiona from The Spare Room and this week we are joined by Rich Newell off of Rich Newell. Hi. We... <laughs> Do you ever want to say anything else? Just hi. Why isn't that a good enough greeting? You don't ask how everyone's doing? Right, we're wondering. And I'm joined by... <laughs> yep, this is how it goes. <laughs> We've got a fabulous guest and we're meandering. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. It's because you're so nervous, isn't it? I know. I always want to make I always want to make a good impression. Right. And I'm joined by my favourite, Leah from Glorified Pet Rocks. Hi. Hello there. I mean May I just point out that Leah didn't ask how everyone is either. (laughs) Leah doesn't have to. She gives back to the community by being stunning. That's why I have to work so hard. Have you seen (laughs) her? Beautiful, I am. Undeniable. Thank you. And lastly, and most excitingly... Most importantly. Most importantly, this week we are most joined... Most important. All right. We're just all going to yeah, talk I'll, over I'll Fiona be, today, gonna are we? Be, we're going to be honest, Hannes. Um, <laughs> Fiona is an absolute wreck. She has been so excited. She's been all nervous as well. It's like she's been like a giddy little schoolgirl. I'm so fantastic. sorry. I just want to make a good impression. Yeah. Well, why don't you introduce our guest? <laughs> right. And lastly, we are joined by Hannes of Dishbinner. Hello there. Okay, you, uh, the listeners can't see my room right now because uh, late, uh, yesterday I had a late night feeding session and the, the whole floor is full with cups and, and uh, cricket boxes and dirt. And uh, yeah, I, ho- I hope you can just see like my upper body half. Sounds perfect. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. my animal. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a very yeah. um, pet considerate keeper's room yeah that sounds like how it should look well i hope everyone's week has been as delightful as mine mine's been average so So you hope everyone's week has been average yeah because mine's been average i want to share the hatred and bitterness around wow fuck you unbelievable (laughs) yeah my my weeks uh have been great because um yesterday was the last day of uh biochemistry and biophysics lab so uh I don't have to write fucking lab reports anymore. Um, Yay! Oh, that's got to be a relief. <laughs> yeah. well, technically, I'm, I'm in holiday mode right now. What are you going to do with all that yeah. spare brain now you're not doing um, such incredibly heady topics? Drinking uh, with friends and uh, reading, reading scorpions, pairing up uh, scorpions and spiders and stuff like that. Just uh, fantastic. Yeah. This week, we've got a slightly different topic, something we actually haven't touched on at all yet in our extensive experience in podcasting. Yachting. Yachting? Yeah. <laughs> we haven't touched on that at all. No, it's better than mm. that. Um, we're going to talk scorpions this week. Excellent. Mm. So these guys don't don't know. I told them you were coming on and I got them to look at your profile, but they don't really know the topic. So that's going to be exciting, isn't it? Is, it is, yeah. I'm very looking forward to this. Yeah, because you'll be really happy to know, Hannes, that Rich has a heterometrous Giovanni yes. Most boring scorpion genus uh, that's out there. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thank you. Literally just have to say, like, heterometrous <laughs> and it's uh, I don't know if, if you guys know that, but I have a, a German podcast about um, inverts as well. And there's one episode that's named Why I Hate Heterometrous. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I'm loving Nemesis genus. And why and why do you? I mean, you know, 
Um, because like that's the typical starter scorpion that um, everyone who keeps tarantulas one day will get a heteromatrous because they think I'd like to try scorpions and that's a great thought and a good idea but uh, heteromatrous are like the most boring scorpion that is out there. Uh, oh it wasn't my first scorpion though. Uh, was it uh, what? No. Oh. I said Do you remember uh, the little one that didn't quite make it? Didn't quite make it or didn't make it, period? Didn't make it at all. Mm. Didn't make it in the slightest. Mm. Heteromatrous are great as starter species. So my mm. first scorpion was a heteromatrous. I think I bought it as heteromatrous laoticus. They are now, they got revised as heteromatrous petersi, I think. But it uh, doesn't matter. So that was my first scorpion too. And uh, it was so boring that I uh, nearly didn't got into scorpions. But then I got other species and then everything went right. But um, heteromatrous are like, most of them are wild caught. Uh, they are pretty easy yeah. to breed, but most of them are wild caught and they don't eat as great. They hide a lot and um, yeah, they just don't do really anything. They take really long to, to breed. And I think you can lose interest in scorpions of that uh, really quickly because you don't see a lot of them and it's it's not fun to keep an animal that's not eating. So. Mm. There are better species, but there are some cool heteromatous species too. I don't like the the really common one, the heteromatous spinifer, but they are like ones with longer pedipalps. And mm. um, I think this genus got split into some different subgenera now. They are like Gigantometrus. This is the biggest scorpion in the world. Mm. Gigantometrus from Adami. That was a former heteromatrous. They are pretty cool too, but yeah, they are the, the smaller the scorpions are, that the better they are. <laughs> so why don't we start? Why don't you like introduce us to a bit about you? Like where are you from? What are you into? That kind of thing. And then we'll jump into like scorpions a bit more like. Yeah, I'm, I'm Hannes. I'm 19 years old. I'm from uh, Germany, from Dortmund, Germany. And yeah, I, I liked uh, animals, especially reptiles, amphibians, fish, invertebrates my whole life. So since mm. I can think I was the always the kid like crawling around in the mud uh, picking up stones to look for salamanders and stuff like that and uh, um yeah first it was only reptiles so my the, the holy grail for me were lizards like the coolest thing i could imagine would be keeping geckos someday and um i think in when i was seven or eight in in second grade uh, i got my first uh, exotic pets uh, these were two leopard geckos and uh, yeah, when you get reptiles, you go into pet stores, you go into, uh, you go visiting um, reptile expos. And there I saw um, stick insects for the first time, phasmids. Uh, I don't remember the species. I think um, the classic ones from Vietnam, these just brown, brown stick insects. Yeah. And um, I took them home. And then I um, yeah learned to love invertebrates. And by the time I was... 10 or 11, I think I kept and bred 15 different species of phasmids that started my love for keeping and breeding. Um, then I got into mantids, um, not really heavily, but I kept like, I think 10, 15 different species of mantids uh, back in the day. Um, never bred them because uh, um, yeah, that they were too expensive for my 10 year old pocket money. So, mm. <laughs> and you'd end up with thousands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, after mantids and phasmids, I got into beetles. So I kept 
different species of uh, African flower beetles like uh, Parnoda, Eudicella, um, this, this uh, what's the name for the small ones again, the, the greenish and, and purplish ones. I think Chlorocala, Chlorocala africana. I, I don't mm. know anything about beetles. Yeah, yeah same. I'll, I'll just stay and quiet. <laughs> after, after the beetles, I, um, I started to think you, you can't be a real hobbyist in the exotic pet hobby if you never kept tarantulas. Um, I was not as afraid of spiders, but I had some respect for them because the, the fast yeah. movements and these were animals that could actually, uh, like, they, they had random and they could bite you and um, kind of scary. But um, then before I got tarantulas, I got a centipede first when I was 14. And um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I thought, though, maybe spiders are too, like, it's uh, too, too hard to start with. Maybe I should get a centipede, which is uh, a stupid idea. But um, yeah, uh, it ended up in a good way. I got one of the, I don't know the, the common name. Uh, it's Mostigmus trigonopodus. These are African centipedes. And um, this thing was quite fun to keep. And um, mm. after that, I got my first two tarantulas. This, these were the, the curly hair, the um, alupilosum, and um, the caribina versicolor. And yeah, then it kind of snowballed. Like a week later, I had five tarantulas. Two weeks later, I had 20. And two months later, I stopped counting. Mm. And um, yeah, then I recognized that tarantulas are like not the coolest spiders. And I got into two spiders. And that's my, my, my passion. So I once started with uh, one Cupinius guitarzi, uh, the, the orange form. These are out of the hobby now, unfortunately. But um, I started out with them, um, and I just bought one tiny, tiny sling, and I uh, wasted up until it was a female that was like nearly as big as my hand. And these were really beautiful, this orange colors. They had these uh, red chelicera, and I thought I had to breed this species. Um, I tried to breed them. Unfortunately, the female didn't build an egg sac. Um, but that was because of inbreeding. The, the whole breeding stock was from one origin. And um, this was the last generation in the hobby. And two mm -hmm. uh, friends of mine paired them. And they, they their females didn't build an exec either. But um, yeah, that was the start of my whole keeping breeding true spiders career. And um, I think some months after pairing the Cupinios, I got my first uh, scorpion, the Heterometrus. And... Then I got a, a pair of Oiscorpius Italicus, a small European scorpion species. And this was my first um, breeding success with scorpions. And after that, I was like in love with them. That's my, my hobby story. So would you say that Hatromatris is the reason that you now keep scorpions? Um, unfortunately, uh, yeah, unfortunately, yes. I, I don't like to say that, but uh, yeah, I have to admit that's the reason. <laughs> Okay, amazing. So it, it was kind of like a chain of events that got you all the way to Scorpions yeah. then. Quite yeah. a fast chain of events as well. I feel like that was a lot to happen. Yeah. yeah. A little time. <laughs> you and your dad keep a lot of animals together, don't you? Is it fish um, you keep together? Yeah, just the fish because... Um, so I, I really um, love my parents because they always supported me with the hobby. They I was really interested in learning about animals when I was a kid. They always bought me really good books. Uh, they took me to the zoo. They took me to reptile, reptile expos. Um, but they aren't as 
interested in keeping all this stuff. So um, mm -hmm. my mom really likes the geckos. And my, my dad is a bit into fish because he had a fish tank when he was uh, a little kid. And I think when I was 12, I said, hey, let's get a fish tank. And he was like, fuck yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and now we, we have we have just one tank left. One that's not a really big one. I think 250 liters in the in the living room with classical South American fish, some some uh, tetras, some small um, epistogramma sometimes and stuff like that. Um, um but yes just just the fish tank with my dad and i do like all the invertebrate stuff by myself that's your thing so we talked about like what got you into scorpions do you have a favorite scorpion or a favorite favorite breeding project that you've done wow that's that's really hard mm, <laughs> I, I can't pick a favorite but um i've got a species uh, i've got a pair of one species that's um really fun to watch. Uh, these are Lucia's uh, Scutilus from Thailand. These are Butide from Thailand. They are like um, really flat and really long. I can uh, send you pictures after this. And um, they, are, they, they look like um, centroides from Thailand. So they are, they are really cool and reddish brown coloration. And I've got one pair last year in summer, I think. And I keep them together in a 20 by 20 centimeters terrarium with uh, some plants and, and cork in it. And they're always sitting on top of each other. There are so many heights in this terrarium and they're always sitting on top of each other. Yeah. The only time they're separated is when the female is uh, getting near to giving birth. So the last month, the last uh, three weeks of her uh, quote unquote pregnancy, the male leaves her alone and it's really fun because she's like yeah, go away and he's like pushing <laughs> in, the, in the tightest corner in the enclosure and she has all the corkbuck paradise for herself and um, I, I always uh, like to imagine them as an old married couple <laughs> and that's that's really fun <laughs> yeah. that is funny him just that's disappearing funny. being like she can do all that yeah this looks like this is going to be work i'm off <laughs> yeah I'll see you later i've done my job you can look after the kids now <laughs> and and what's really cool about this species too, um, I, uh, I had some deaths in the species because the first uh, clutch of them, I separated them too early. So normally with my other scorpion species, I'm used to separate them when they leave their mother's back. And mm -hmm. normally that's all fine. But after two weeks, like every, um, every scorpion died. I tried some to keep some humid and keep some more dry and uh, give some some cork bark to mold on, but uh, they all died. And um, for the second clutch, I tried to keep them communally. So I filled up a box completely with cork bark pieces and um, just throw in some uh, micro crickets or drosophila from time to time. And um, they all were on a big pile, 17 baby scorpions were all under the same bark piece. There were like 20 bark pieces in this box and they were all on one big pile and under one uh, bark piece. And um, then they molted into Insta3. Mm -hmm. And after they molted in Insta3, they started eating each other and uh, hiding under, under different bark pieces. Mm -hmm. So I separated them and I only lost three of them. But the other 14, they are thriving. They are eating crickets as big as themselves. They are molting. And that was like the experiment that uh yeah nice i, I um follow a subreddit um called a cuddle puddle and it's when animals are cooked together 
Oh, okay. And it's called a cuddle puddle. And I like to think of your scorplings in a little cuddle puddle. It's not very scientific, but... But cute is good. I like cute. That's cool, though. I wouldn't have thought of just to keep them in cork bark. That's interesting. What are the the teeny tiny ones you showed me the other day? I think they're European ones. Uh, Which one? Um, Did I send you the picture with with the coin as a reference or...? Yeah, it was a little tiny, yeah. it was very black. Yeah, that, like was, black. Uh, that was Alpi Scorpius Germanus. They only live in Switzerland and Italy, I think. Okay. And they are um, like one, one, one and a half centimeters tall as adults. Um, I unfortunately can't show you them because they are right now in the basement hibernating. Um, but yeah, they are really cool and really small. And that's like yeah. my, they're one of my favorite uh, genoa to, to keep and breed. So in terms of keeping scorpions, you've kept tarantulas, you've kept scorpions. Which do you find easiest to care for? Uh, that's a hard question because mm, there are so many species and you, you, can, you can't like say it for mm-hmm. all. Um, but I think scorpions, mm, you have to consider that the, the scorpion hobby is divided into uh, keeping humid living scorpions and keeping arid living scorpions. Um, arid living scorpions are more difficult to keep because they need higher temperature. The keeping itself is really easy. Scorpions just need some some flat heights, and that's all. But mm. uh, if you really want to keep and successful breed arid species, you need that high temperature at the day and low temperature at the night. And that is you don't need that for the vast majority of tarantulas. So. In that case, arid scorpions are a bit more difficult to keep, but in all other aspects, scorpions are really, really much easier because they don't need food and water so often. Um, there are scientific records of one Titius smithy, I think, that went without food for over 470 days and wow. just fine. Um, and most scorpions don't need like these these big enclosures because Scorpions are a lot of the time like maximum size of four to eight centimeters. Mm-hmm. And um, so they don't need like these big enclosures like uh, Thebraphosa or Pamphobatios would need. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think scorpion keeping is easier in terms of feeding um, frequency and space. Okay. I think also for many la- uh, smaller species, not only for scorpions, but all, uh, for spiders too. Um, breeding is more efficient in boxes than in glass enclosures. So tarantulas, um, like the, the bigger ones, you can breed them easily or better in big glass terrariums where you can control all the parameters and keep it clean and stuff like that. But scorpions, especially the small ones, it's way easier to uh, breed them in, in a small box where they have like two or three flat stones they can hide under. And when they uh, when the um, scorplings leave the, the back of their mom you can just easily separate them in this small box because you can reach in from the top um, mm-hmm. they can't hide in every little corner and under every stone like in a beautiful built uh, enclosure and yeah breeding is not easier in boxes but it's more efficient you can of course breed in, in enclosures I do that with several species too but it's way easier picking the babies out in boxes do you prefer keeping arid or high humidity? Um, humidity ones, because first of all, most arid species 
or the most arid species that are common in the hobby are forbidden in my state in Germany. Mm. Um, so I have to keep the humid ones. There are some, I, I keep some arid ones like uh, I can show you. I think the female is out right now, like uh, Uroplectus otimbinguensis. Oh, she's eating right now. Okay. Um, I keep them mm. and um, they, they eat, they grow but they don't really breed. And I think that's because it's like too cold in my room. And one female of them actually laid eggs. And that's really uncommon for a scorpion because as you may know, scorpions are life bearers and they, hmm. the animal, uh, the, the babies go on their mom's back first when they're born. And um, this female actually laid undeveloped eggs into the enclosure. And that's a sign of that some parameters are not right. And I think it's too cold. For them to breed yeah. so i um i plan to build like a one big enclosure where that's heated where i put all my small boxes of arid scorpions in so the arid yeah. breeding is more easier but i the majority of the scorpions i keep are humid living species i think i don't know how how many scorpions i keep i think between 150 and 200 individuals and wow. like maybe 20 species 25 30 species and i think out of 25 species, 23 are uh, humid. <laughs> it's a lot of scorpions. Yes. Yeah. So, Thank you, Richard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's amazing that you're with us. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely am just so fascinated. I'm, I, I, I'm learning so much. I know very little about yeah, scorpions, apart from like literally how to drop a cricket into mine. Um, I just, I, I love it when I'm talking to someone and I have nothing to say because it's like, all brand new information. So you touched on then that there were some scorpions that you can't keep because of the laws in Germany. So how, is it quite easy to manage your hobby with those laws? Are, are they? Do you have? Do you have access to like lists of animals you can't keep? Or how does it uh, work? Yeah. So these these laws are different from uh, state to state. As you may know, Germany is like divided in several different states, and um, every state's gotta make its own laws and my state northwest westphalia was the one with like zero laws at all for years and we were like yeah we can keep everything but mm. then in 2020 one yeah one idiot uh, got his uh, monocle cobra loose and like the the whole one city was like in just outraging uh, they were like the media was exploding because of this I and bet, yeah um, the the thing that makes me really angry about this that this wasn't a really hobby guy that was just like some idiot that thought it was cool to keep a cobra but he was definitely not a reptile person and uh, he shouldn't kept this this highly venomous reptile mm. and yeah, it escaped and this yeah this ma made it worse for all of us uh, true hobbyists so now we are not allowed to keep uh, like all venomous snakes here mm. i don't know about um Rear fanged venomous like uh, hawk noses or boiga and stuff like that. But um, yeah, all venomous snakes are forbidden here. Um, Phonoitria, Latrodectos, Atrax, Zicarios, um, uh, Pruzzolteria too. So the, the, I don't know if you can understand my German pronunciation of the scientific yeah, names. Pestletheria are outlawed in. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's, that's the problem because the, the people who make these laws, I feel like they just Google venomous spiders and mm. the first ones that pop up, they, they made them into the laws. Mm. And um, 
With scorpions, it's a bit difficult because many Botide are forbidden, but not all. But the common ones like Androctonus, Parabutus, Leurus, stuff like that, uh, it's, it's forbidden. The really common ones that are in the hobby for years and the most staple ones, they are forbidden. But um, yeah, there are also some, some gray areas like, um, for example, Mesobutus. Mesobutus is forbidden to keep, but Mesobutus gibosus got uh, revised as Ageobutus gibosus. So, and some scientists right. said, "Oh, there's one one extra hair now. That's it's a new genus." And uh, yeah, now I'm allowed to keep the former Mesobutus gibosus. Uh, yeah, I bought a pair at the at the Ham Expo last weekend, and they are they are really cool. How um how do you think? Do you think it's I don't know. I had to word this ridiculous in many ways. That say, say you've got something as wild as and as natural as, say, a European hornet mm-hmm. or European wasps, which, which are quite venomous. So th- they can't be controlled, or they they're not controlled um, in gardens, wildlife areas, open areas. Um, so they're going to be far more prevalent than a responsible keeper keeping a pestilitaria. Um, how do you how do you think that does that make sense to balance that that there are um venomous natural creatures but you cannot keep one that wouldn't survive in the wild there mm. Mm, i think that's not a big problem because as you said the 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 wasps and hornets they are native here so you, it wouldn't make sense to forbid them because they they will stay here and um i think the the laws about uh, are more about um the safety of people, because when the the cobra um, escaped, the media and many people who are not into the hobby were really frightened of that happening again and maybe getting bit and stuff like that. And they, the government, wanted to um, cool down this this whole stuff. And and and. Um, but that's kind of what I mean. You've, you've you've already got venomous creatures living there naturally. So if you've already got them there, it seems silly to stop somebody keeping a different venomous mm. creature. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Cool. You know, because you can't stop them. You can't, like you say, you can't stop the wild ones. Mm-hmm. So why stop one that's going to be kept responsibly? If you know, but, you know. yeah, yeah, that, that's why are going to be a lot more used to the hornets than a cobra. Mm. From with a cobra, yeah. I can see people and the media do love. You know, to um, it, it was a very like monocle cobra can. I think it can kill. Can't I it? mean, that's that's quite an extreme a, a creature it's a very to have. Intense snake yeah. for a randomer to have as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And I think um, these laws are good in a sense because um, I think not every idiot should be able to buy like high highly venomous snakes, like mm. Uh, mm. I don't know, black mambas or mm. or puff adders or stuff like that. That there shouldn't be an animal that's available to everyone. But mm. I think with, with scorpions and spiders, you have to be really stupid to get stung by a scorpion. Yeah. Because mm. they, they yeah. won't sting you if you don't squeeze them with your fingers. And uh, I always use like these big tongues and yeah. you, you can't get stung by a scorpion with using tongues. That's, yeah. yeah. Mm. I've said to people before, it's really hard to get bitten by a spider. You've really got to want to do it. Yeah, like, you've, yeah, you've got you've, to be determined. You've got to yeah. put that thing in a corner. Yeah. Like, it's so hard. And again, mm-hmm. like you said, it's the same with scorpions. And I, I really miss um, keeping uh, for Neutria. I, I talked about this with Fiona before, and I 
I kept uh, two species of uh, Phonoitria before, Phonoitria boliviensis and uh, Phonoitria nigriventa. And these were one of my favorite spiders and um, I couldn't keep them anymore. I had, uh, I raised one teeny tiny um, Insta1 sling to adult from Phonoitria nigriventa and I had five uh, of the Phonoitria boliviensis. I paired them, but the female just ate the male and um, oh. yeah, didn't build an exec, but um, these are forbidden now. And fortunately, they all died or, um, because of old age before the law came in. Mm. Um, right. But I really miss these spiders. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the, their family, Tenida, of the wandering spiders. And um, these were one of my favorites. And I can't keep them anymore because their venom is pretty potent. Mm. But I'll be honest, it's the same as keeping Cupinius. Of course, you should be... You should be concerned about uh, like you you shouldn't handle these animals or you should be more paying more attention when you do stuff like cleaning or feeding but um these highly venomous spiders they were just as calm as every other spider mm. I, ever mm. I i think i would in theory i'd really love to keep a nigraventa it's the brazilian wandering spider right you know that one yeah, they're really. Um, they're... When I look at you, I want you to talk to me. Oh, I didn't realise. Sorry, I thought it was because you're very attractive. Um... I'm not just staring at you, freak. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, they are. They have a reputation. They are. They are a, a, a reputable spider in terms of venom, aren't they? The Brazilian wanderer. They yeah, are. they are the, yeah. one of the most venomous spiders in the world, actually. Yeah, but they... there's an interesting study. Um, uh, of of bites in Manaus in Brazil, so they took uh, 500 cases of uh, Phonotria nigriventa bites that were recorded in a hospital in Brazil, and out of these 500 bites, um, I think more than 82% of the people just had like their their symptoms were like a bee sting, like swollen hand, a bit of pain, and the next day it was gone. Mm. Yeah, and, and there were there was one death case out of these five hundred, and that was a um, three month old baby. So okay, mm. yeah, of right. course uh, that's that's pretty pretty sad. And these spiders have potent venom, but it's not like you instantly die when they bite you. <laughs> yeah, it's just significant pain, isn't it? Really, yeah, I, I, mm. I really wouldn't want to get get bitten by one of uh, one of these spiders, but. Um, they're not as they are not killing machines they just sit there chill in their enclosure and if you don't really touch them they they won't do anything so mm. i really like these spiders mm. because they they have personality they roam around every night and they are such calm creatures they move so slowly and when they see prey they um walk with their four hind legs and the four front legs are like in this position and they're going back 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 and when they just one centimeter before the cricket they snatch uh, wow that's so cool actually the actually the um, african ones do that too like macrotenos and pedoctenos so um i can watch that behavior still but for now i did it the best that's really interesting Mm. like i'm coming behind (laughs) you (laughs) um that's really interesting so if you because in this country we have DWA, which is sort of like our list of dangerous wildlife act. Dangerous like wildlife that. act, um, which means that you have to have a license to have these animals. And there are there are some scorpions on there, um, 
some African, no, Asian ones, I think. Do you know, I, I did, my memory is terrible. I did look at the list recently yeah. of what was on it, but I really can't remember now. I do, I do remember looking at the list. Because I remember when I first got into the hobby, there was a whole hoo-ha because someone had sold a DWA Scorpion to um, a 13-year-old boy. Oh, was that an arrow? Was it, was it like Miss... Misidentified and it was sold by no, it was, it was sold specifically. Oh my god, yeah. The the seller knew it was DWA but just didn't care, basically. He sold it to a child. That's horrendous. Hmm. But yeah, we don't have laws as such. I mean, in, in terms of tarantulas, we're pretty well, there are no laws against any tarantulas in our country, not even the native yeah. one. There isn't a native bloody tarantula. <laughs> Um, no, there are no um, laws against any tarantula. There's only one tarantula. We know that. You're referring to a, a mygalamore. <laughs> oh, my God. We are fairly lucky in this country, I feel. But like Hannah says, it'll take one idiot yeah. to ruin it for everyone else. And eventually someone's going to do something. And then... Mm. And it'll oh, be exactly yeah. the same as it was in, in Hannes' state. It will be the press exploiting it for sensationalism. That's yeah. where all the damage will happen. Nothing. The, the actual animal will do no harm at all, apart from like make people look and go, oh, bloody hell, what's that? But the press will turn it into Godzilla or something. It'll be mm. horrendous yeah. by the time they've finished. I remember when I was mm. small, um, there's, a, there's a hospital near... Uh, where I live and my my mum used to have to go there a lot when I was younger but you have to drive through this place and it's called the place is called Roth and there was this big news story about someone's tarantula had gotten out and it was roaming free and it was you know all of this and because I've always been interested in scorpion at uh, tarantulas I was like oh my god this is so cool like little kid me like a child thinking like I'm gonna find it in the whole of this town mm. anyway my mum was it's actually started taking the long way around so she wouldn't have to drive through this town because she was terrified that like, the tarantula would somehow get into, into her car. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing about that is, if you look at how many tarantulas we own between us, and most of the time you can't even find that tarantula in the enclosure, let alone in a city. Oh, yeah. yeah, my Pestilatheria, yeah. um, Metallica, I cannot see it on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't see it. It's like... As soon as it sees me, it's gone. Mm. It's like so. The chance of spotting one in a in a town is just honestly, like, yeah, yeah. Like it would have. Although I will tell you something really interesting. Please do. One of my friends for a change. For a change, you. I'm the fucking hinge piece <laughs> of this podcast, mate. You better shut the fuck up now. Hinge, yeah. Hinge. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Fucking hell, so fucking cheeky. Hinge. What am I getting bullied for now? Because you're here. Okay. What was what was the interesting thing? Thanks, I'm Leah. Interested, Fiona. Ignore Have it. Have you got any interesting things you'd like to tell us? I'd, I'd like to tell them, not you, though, you cheeky bastard. Come back. Where are you going? So you're leaving. <laughs> See you next week. Oh, thank fuck for that. Hang on. He's just going to turn the heating off. I'm just going to wait for him to sit back down because he'll complain okay. about the reverb on the microphone and it'll probably be my fault. You are, mate. You can't see oh, Thank you, yeah. How, uh, just as I before I settle back in, has there been any reverb on the microphone? <laughs> right, I have an interesting story. One of my friends has a Gramostola rosea um, who was rescued from a house. Um, a family 
uh, so it was this um, not derelict, a vacant house, and this family moved in, and they went up to the attic to go and put stuff up there, and there was a colony of Gramostola rosea up there. Amazing. And um, they don't know what happened, but essentially a gravid female must have got up there, and but there was hundreds of them in this huge attic and um basically my friend who's got this gramostola rosea now uh her friend runs a rescue and was basically called out and her friend who's just one person was like um i think i'm gonna need some help because like she said there were <laughs> there are hundreds and quite impressed so many managed to make it really because it would have mm. been quite cold up there yeah. but yeah it was a not an infestation, but they were. Man, that's a colony. Oh, what like, bit... Yeah. So cool. Was this in the UK or? Yeah. Where... Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, maybe because Grandma Sola was there are from from Chile, and it's pretty um, cold there in the winter too. And mm, yeah. uh, a friend of mine who um, breeds them, I think, for like more than twenty years now, uh, he said he always have to like. Um, have a dry face and a, a humid face to um, do the um, changes of the of the how do you call it the, the changes of the year um, seasons seasons yeah uh, seasons. The, the season changes and maybe that uh, European climate was beneficial for them so yeah because mm. the Arctic's are quite insulated as well it mm. does get quite humid as mm. well especially if it's an uninsulated yeah. attic all the heat will go up. So yeah. it will go. It will have really good changes in temperature. Yeah, yeah and like the, they weren't, there were babies there. There were slings, but there were established juveniles and adults. And we all know they're slow growers. Like they must have been there for years. Mm. That's so, so weird. Yeah. So I wonder whether it even predates the previous tenants, and they just didn't know. Wow. But yeah, I don't know all about that. I want to know how they got there, when they got there. Why don't you see if you can get some more information? What have they been eating? Yes, I was just thinking that. Yeah, other spiders probably, mm, or each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah. They just ate them uh, themselves because when you raise up spiders in groups, um, you can like put as much feeders uh, uh, in as you want. They still prefer to eat them. They're the siblings, mm. and. Uh, that's that sounds quite uh, brutal, but you can always use this method to get the most healthy spiderlings. Uh, when I when I have an exec of heteropoda species, for example, or some other true spiders, I always toss the exec in um, one big box with plenty of cork bark and plenty of um, fruit flies, and then I wait for like two to four weeks, and then the you have animals that are already in, in the third Insta. And if you um, raise them up separately, they don't grow as much in that time. And um, they really grow faster if they have that that pressure of uh, predation on each other. Maybe that's the reason because uh, why the, the Gramostola grew so fast, because they have this pressure of um, predation. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting, yeah. actually. Yeah, they had literally had the pressure to survive. Bringing this back neatly from Gramostola rosea to scorpions <laughs> nicely done. smooth transition nice as done, ever yeah. segue nice little segue back to scorpions um obviously we know you are not a, a massive fan of heterometra so what do you wish people knew about 
your favorite scorpions that made them think right when i want to try scorpions i don't want to just go for a asian forest scorpion so my my favorite family of scorpions is in my opinion the best uh family of scorpions to start with my my favorite family is uh oiscorpidae and that family um got oiscorpios alpiscorpios tetratricobotrios and polytrichobotrios these were all oiscorpios back in the day but they um the subgenera got um yeah leveled up into own genera level now and um i think there are more than 90 species in this family and these are scorpions that mostly live in europe some live in northern africa some live in western asia um but the the majority of them lives in europe and they are um really small the biggest the biggest member of this family is oiscorpius italicus that's the most famous one too and that with with metasoma so metasoma is the the tail it's not a real tail but people call it tail with tail it's like five centimeters tall and um, that's the biggest one the smallest ones is like one centimeter and so they don't need much space they are um, they don't need high temperatures because they're actually from europe they live in switzerland there are some in austria in italy um italy by the way italy got uh, 27 species of scorpions Oh, yeah, 27 wow. native nice. species of scorpions in Italy. That's pretty cool to think about. Yeah. But um, yeah, these um, these little small humid living scorpions, they are easy to keep, easy to breed. They are not dangerous at all. Uh, for a fact, they can, some species can't even uh, penetrate the skin oh. and um, <laughs> they, they won't sting you. In theory, if you would go on a trip to Greece or somewhere else and you find them under a rock, you can easily take them on your head without risk. They are harmless as fuck. They are just yeah. stupid little scorpions. They can't even, it, it takes them a while to catch a cricket. Um, they are not the, the brightest, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's fun to watch. And there are so many species and they come in a color from uh, black to brown to yellowish in all like size and color uh, variations. Um, sometimes they are like matte black. Sometimes they are a bit shiny and um yeah they are so easy to breed they are like five species in the hobby that are yeah available all the time these are oiscorpius italicus oiscorpius tegestinus from croatia um tetra trichobotius uh, flavicaudus this is the one that actually lives introduced in england there are um i think two places in england where the scorpius scorpion were introduced i think one is in ah, in the near of Sussex, I don't know. Okay. And um, there's a colony of these established because they came with uh, ships to the harbor and they live in a in an old uh, cemetery uh, stone wall, and they are used to the cold climate, so they can survive there and breed there. That's pretty cool. Um, so mm -hmm. these these are available too. They are just so fun to watch. They are really small. They are kind of cute when they eat a cricket as big as themselves and wrestle with mm -hmm. it and. When they do their little um, mating dance, I don't know um, if you know how scorpions reproduce, but um, they always do this like kind of dance. The, you introduce the male to the female's enclosure, and the male um, detects the female with uh, his his pectines um, on the on the underside of his his body, and he starts wriggling his tail and uh, shaking his. <laughs> 
catapults and then they go together and they like do this little dance and uh, it's so so fun to watch with these small scorpions and um they sometimes they give birth up to twice uh, uh, up to two times or three times a year and usually the clutch sizes vary between 15 and 30 animals uh, a friend of mine had once uh, Oiscorpius Italicus that gave birth to 66 uh, scorplings at one time so wow. it was like the, the, the mother was like covered all up in white babies <laughs> uh, yeah they're easy to breed easy to uh, easy to keep not really venomous and um, yeah pretty cheap too and that's the perfect beginner scorpion, in, in my opinion. Oh, okay. Nice. They sound so does that answer my next question? If you could keep one genus, what would you keep? Ah, that's that's a really, really hard question. Because <laughs> I really like my Scorpios, but they are mm, they hide a lot. You can I mean if you give them um a huge vivarium with many stones in it you can keep them in groups even and you will sorry you will see them out every night but there are some scorpions that are more active or bigger and mm. i kind of need that variety in my life so um i couldn't keep just one one genus that would be that would be too hard and <laughs> even 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 to pick one family that would be too hard i mean with with Buti there you can keep really a wide variety of species because Botida got like everything in it from centroides to parabutos and stuff like that. But hmm. as the laws in Germany are a bit complicated, I would say I would say my, my favorite genus genus would be Oscorpius. So the small European ones. It would be a hard call because there are some other great species that I really love. But mm. uh, these these scorpions just they they um, evoke my scientific interest in scorpions. Um, you can like do easily do experience with them, uh, not experience uh, exper experiments with them because you can keep them in small boxes and you can keep a lot of them uh, nicely at uh, at the same time and um, mm. they have this pretty fast life cycle. So cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, I love, genuinely really enjoy listening to people so passionate about something that yeah. I know very little about because it's so interesting. It's yeah. genuinely a joy to listen to. Yeah, it's just with the passion just comes through, doesn't it? That's what I just said. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I was agreeing with you. That's how a conversation works, but yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. I have one thing uh, to add. I already told uh, Fiona about that, but that is one quite interesting thing. Um, of every Alpi Scorpius and Oi Scorpius um, species I have, I put uh, one female at least or one female and one male into my basement. There's It's like 8 to 11 degrees Celsius right there. So um, uh, I wanted them to hibernate there. And I recognized that all the oi scorpios are just like in hibernation mode they don't move at all and when they move they move really really slowly and they're always under the height but the alpi scorpios alpha that are from um, italy and switzerland they're, they're up in the alps they are thriving at 8 degrees celsius they are running around oh. they are eating like it's they are they are even thriving more than i than when i had them in my warm room so they really like the cold there and the most interesting thing about this is 
you have to know that Alpi Scorpius Alpha and Alpi Scorpius Germanus uh, were like million years ago, they were like one species and then a river uh, went through the, all, um, through the mountains and this river um, separated them into two species. And that's just like they, they share the same habitat. They live in the same habitat, same temperatures, but the Alpiscorpius Alpha are thriving at eight degrees Celsius and the Alpiscorpius Germanum are like in full-on hibernation mode. And that's really interesting. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it is. I did uh, put them in the basement because um, I wanted to see if the females that hibernated give more offspring in the next year than the other females I keep still in my room. Um, I know with, with reptiles that's the case. So reptiles that are from, from colder regions, they need this hibernation period for their for their life cycle. Um, but with scorpions, there's no not really research on it. Um, so I thought I may just try it out and see what the results are. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to find out. Yeah. So are you going to get rid of your heterometrous now? No, I'm more in love with it because I know it's boring. It's, it is, it's me of the um, scorpion world. Well, I've got a smeringa. Oh, fucking hell. Smeringurus. Smering, I can never pronounce So, uh, Hannes, how do you pronounce that? I think smeringurus uh, vaconi. Uh, is, the is it the mesonensis? I think it's smeringurus mesonensis. Uh, do you have a, a female or a male? Female. Okay. But uh, if you're lucky, it's it's mated already. So maybe put a heat lamp on it, and uh, you you may be lucky, and she gives birth. She is looking rather large at the moment. I've well, mm. I got her, and she she looks like she's about to shed. Maybe she's maybe she's grabbing, okay. but I've called her squishy for that reason. <laughs> I was literally a rabbit in the headlights. Are interesting. Yeah, yes, it was, it was, I was like listening to a seminar, but one I actually wanted to go to. Yeah, we literally yeah. have. We literally are so lucky to have the best guests. Genuinely. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. We're trying yeah. to compensate for your knowledge all the time. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm going to shake things up here and do Sorry. what we do every single week. All right, so thank you so much, Hannes. We will not be able to compare to that section, unfortunately, because we're all... No, that was genuinely... Incompetent. Gen we are genuinely incompetent. <laughs> we are. Was genuinely very competent. Literally, sometimes I feel like I'm super knowledgeable. I'm like, but now I just feel like I've got this very small peanut brain. Um, experience is all it takes in the hobby. So mm. I think two years ago, three years ago, I, I wasn't really at the point where I'm now. I, I, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm like... At the top right now or that i'm better than other keepers i just really am I'm really interested in in observing my animals and doing some experience with raising animals and um yeah i'm just uh, really interested in in nature in general and i think you guys are too because uh, i i saw your enclosures and i saw that you're really doing research on your animals and that's the the most important thing it, it yeah. doesn't matter how, how many animals you keep it's like mm -hmm. Uh, quality over quantity. Yep. I agree. And I think there's a really interesting, for me, there's a really interesting balance between you have to 100% make sure that your animal is cared for and has everything that it needs, but you also want the enclosure to look interesting. Yeah. You kind of want yeah. to be able to look at it, but but more importantly, you want the enclosure to be perfect for the animal. Mm. So I love that kind of like, you know, it's going to be perfect. How can I make it look like I want to look at it? Especially when they're fossorial.
I really like enclosure that uh, look natural and um, that that are mm, how do I say it um, that are like um, easy to create but they are still natural. Mm, yeah. uh, I, I often use like shattered uh, clay pots um, or, or flat stones or these these uh, stone things made for putting on your roof. What's the mm -hmm. name? Mm. Tiled. Yeah, yeah. Please. And uh, because these things, they store humidity and they are like great, they make great heights and they are cheap. And that's like way better for every arachnid than some stupid exoterra height that's like, 10, 10, uh, 10 <laughs> centimeters tall made for reptiles that cost 20 bucks. And that's this is one really important message message I wanted to tell people. Arachnids love flat heights. Your your scorpion or your spider won't feel secure when your height is like too high. They really mm. like to squish into narrow spaces. So yeah, it's better to just throw some flat stones in there and yeah. They'll do the rest. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they will do I've thought of a way that we can smoothly segue. As, we, you, as you always do. Queen of it. Mm -hmm. We are four, I'd say, very good keepers. I wasn't sure if you actually meant like we are four, like as in we're in favour of and support, or we are four as in there are four of us? There are four of us. Is that what you meant? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that is what I meant. Okay. Okay. It's like saying that we are for women's rights. I wasn't quite sure what you meant. <laughs> okay. Um, there is four of us. <laughs> And Fantastic. all four of us happen to be good keepers. Yeah? Okay. All right, okay. yeah. So we're going to move on to shitty keeping of the week. Oh, perfect. I've gone with a theme. My shitty thing of the week is parents who frivolously, 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 parents who carelessly buy their children exotic animals for Christmas without forethought for cost or length of life. Now, I want to preface this by saying that you can buy your kids reptiles for Christmas. I'm not I'm not against that. Rich's friend, Diane, mm. she has done so much research to make sure that she can care long term for a leopard gecko who will be her kids, right? Mm. But she understands that her kid is going to grow up, go to university, blah, blah, blah. And she has this leopard gecko with the understanding that she will probably have to take over its care one day. And she even, actually, funny enough, because she was saying, oh, I think I might getting the kids leopard gecko for Christmas. And after we spoke to her about um, care and things, she said, do you know, I'm going to wait until New Year to make a decision. Yeah. Which I thought was amazing. It was like, I, I thought it was, I mean, yeah, I, I hadn't even thought of it until, you, you know, but yeah, she. I think she's done everything exactly right. She's like, considered it and then thought, not, I'm not going to make a rash decision. I'm not going to pressure myself into it being a Christmas present and mm -hmm. doing it rashly and incorrectly. I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a wild fact for you, and then and then and then you can speak. Um... <laughs> here's a wild fact for you. My friend Ruby runs a reptile rescue called Ruby's Reptile Rescue. I thought that was her name. Ruby's Reptile Rescue. Yeah, I thought her name was Ruby's Reptile Rescue. I, I, there's only so many times I can laugh at your bad jokes. I can offer you a... Uh... That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, she told me, right, I messaged her the other day because one of my friends is looking for a crested gecko. So I said, right, I'll check, I'll check my friend's rescues first. She said, I haven't got any at the moment, but I will have loads by February because everyone will be getting rid of their Christmas gifts. Oh, February. No. 
two months. That is shit. Yeah. So she said, if your mate wants to hang on, I'll have a shit ton of them in February that she can, they can, you know, pick from. And they have a leopard gecko as well. I don't know. Anyway, how do we feel about this, guys? Livid. Disappointed. Um, yeah, I think you you shouldn't uh, do that because I mean it, it depends on the how interested is um, uh, the kid in reptiles. I mean, if we say that uh, the topic is just uh, gifting reptiles to a kid on Christmas, but um, when I was a kid, I was really really interested in leopard geckos. I uh, read two books and I really sucked up all information I could, and I wished some leopard geckos for Christmas. I, I wore to my um, wish list for Santa, I want two leopard geckos with an enclosure. And on, on Christmas Eve, I um, un- had a, like this huge gift and I was like, be careful, there could be geckos in it. And it was just a Lego Star Wars. And this was- <laughs> but uh, my, my parents um, didn't uh, want to do that. And I think that was the right decision because um, these animals, you, you should more see them as an as a as a really interesting thing to keep at your home and not just as a Christmas present, not mm-hmm. like a toy and stuff like that. So I think before you should do that, you should make really sure that your kid is interested in that animal, that it knows all everything about that is that your kid is interested enough to keep this animal for several years and not just like for two months and then it's boring. And so in my opinion, before you get any reptile, you should uh, do research on what books are good, and then you should buy that books, read that books, read some scientific papers, read uh, something about where the animal is from, know about your the natural history of your animal, what uh, ecolog- ecological niche it takes in the nature, what it eats, uh, how hot is it there, how cold it gets there in the winter. And if you know all that stuff, you maybe can get a leopard gecko for Christmas. But before... I don't know. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And the worst thing is, when we're going to, to a certain extent, when you're going to purchase an animal for yourself, it's a considered decision. You are going to make sure you understand how to care for that animal for the most part in any considerate keeper. Mm. But how much care will a parent will a parent give to knowing that the child can look after their animal? How much if a, if a parent does research? How much of that research will it impart on the child? How much will it expect the child to learn? Well, I'll give you a good example of a child being ridiculous. My stepdaughter, (laughs) she said, she came to me and she was like, I'd really like my own tarantula. I feel like I'm ready to own my own one. And I said, right, okay, well, you can pick one of mine and that can be your tarantula. Because I know full well that tarantula is staying in my house I've got full control over that animal's care. So <clears throat> she picked a Carabana Versicolor and we put them in in their enclosure in her bedroom on on her on her desk. And um so she's only with us on the weekends mainly. So, you know, I'd go in, water it, feed it in the week and stuff like that. And I noticed she wasn't taking any care of it at all. <laughs> and I said to her, When did you last um give your tarantula water. She was like, oh, I haven't. And I was like, that's interesting. Hasn't had any water in about a month. She was going, is that is that a bad thing? And I was like, yeah. When did you last feed it, babe? I haven't. 
<laughs> okay. And like, I would never ever have bought her her own tarantula mm. without being someone who could entirely care for mm. that animal myself, mm. you know? Like, I'd never buy her a gecko. I think, unfortunately, you are not a typical mum, though. I think I don't think I don't think a lot of parents like you and and obviously as we said, Diane are I think unfortunately exceptions to what I think most people. I think Ruby's um, example of all those geckos going spare in February Mad. are unfortunately the standard um, uh, example of what happens when people buy parent um, kids presents. Like that it's absolutely insane to me. Do you have anything to add that we'd be interested in? Maybe, because I'm going to go on the other side of the fence. Not in a way that I like this, uh, like, I agree with it. But I'm going to say I agree with everything you've all said because I was that child. I hate to admit it. Well, I don't hate to admit it because we it's all. It's not your learned. fault. Well, it wasn't my parents. My parents are amazing. They they had the parenting style of if I could afford it and promise to look after it, I could get whatever I wanted. That was my, your responsibility. You buy it, you look after it. And obviously, I got my first job, I think, when I was 15. I was quite childish for a teen, I'll be honest. So... You know, I got my first job. I know it's illegal, yeah. <laughs> Let's shh. Bloody Liverpool. And anyway, so I, well, I did have animals younger as well. But I went through a lot of animals when I was younger because of I'd buy it, didn't think long term, think crap, I don't have any money, I'll sell it. A couple of months later, I buy something new. And then I'd lose interest, think I'm not really interested in that anymore. I'll sell it and I'll buy something else. I was that kid. And looking back on it now, you know, years and years later, I'm embarrassed by it. Because I know now, obviously, that is not the type of person that I wanted to be. And it is definitely not (laughs) who I am now. But if I, when I eventually have a kid... I will learn from my own mistakes and think I'm not going to let that happen again because mm. I was that child. I had a lot of animals that went through me. None of them met their end. Christ. <laughs> they undercooked. You're getting a bit personal. Yeah. So with, with invertebrates, I think it's it's a, another point of view because, uh, yeah, I had my time where I did that too. And I, I'll be honest, I still kind of do it because I got... I don't I don't get one animal of one species. I get at least like 10, 15 animals of one species each. And um, if I grow them up and I have like, I keep my maybe two to three breeding pairs and I don't need all of them, I will sell, uh, sell some of them or trade them into something else. And I think with inverts, this is something that can be easily done, especially when you look at true spiders that only live like one or two years in total. But uh, with reptiles, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. And um, it's, a, it's a cool, cool that uh, you are like went to this transition of being this kind of keeper. And now you are really mm-hmm. a good keeper. It's been like, I guess it sounds like it's been a, yeah. a learning experience for you. Hannah's right, though, has made you better, more considerate yeah. keeper now. 
When I was a kid, all I wanted for Christmas was a Lego Star Wars. They got me a bloody leopard gecko. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> all I wanted for Christmas was to be hugged. Got it. <laughs> I just wanted someone to love me. If I could make an actual, if I could possibly make a point, please. Um, please no. feel free. It'll be oh, the first fucking thing yeah. you've said all day. Well, give me a chance. Um, you harridan. Um, people that tend to buy presents for kids tend to be outside the hobby which in many ways makes it worse yeah. if you if you were now to buy any pet inside the hobby it would be so much easier to get advice on care to rehome it to a good home to, to speak to somebody about how it is or what what it should be or to rehouse it if you needed to whereas when you're an isolated child that gets something for christmas just because you're outside the hobby or the community it just goes to some. It might often just go to someone else that's going to do exactly the same thing. It's, you know, they look at it on Facebook Marketplace or Google, not Google Gumtree, and they buy it and make the same mistake. And then in two, three months' time, it moves on to someone else because it's sort of outside of the caring community. The ironic thing for me about things like bearded dragons, leopard geckos, crested geckos, the, the three most popular lizards in the hobby. Hmm. If they're given the right care and husbandry, they're very interesting animals. Mm, mm. If you take them and you put them on newspaper, they're boring because mm. they've got nothing to mm. do apart from walk back and forth. You know, these these um, American-style enclosures where they put fucking hang mats in for their bearded dragon or like, like dog beds. And I, I really go crazy when I see that stuff because um, I was like raised by, by the hobby that you should keep an enclosure for reptiles as natural as possible mm. and like recreating their, their natural heritage. Um, but when I see these like bearded dragons kept on like a uh, flat stone with a dog bed and a hang mat in there, I, I think that's not yeah. how it's done. That's horrible. Yeah. But if you've yeah. got a perfectly healthy animal, it needs to be in an enriched mm. environment. Yeah. When yeah. has when has a bearded dragon ever lived on newspaper in the wild? It's not a pair of dirty Wellington boots. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> did you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. put the, it on something natural, for Christ's sake. The argument that makes me laugh is when people say that loose substrate will impact them. Mm. And I'm like, but they live on it in the wild. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I think it's sometimes it's way more easier and cheaper to set up like an enclosure that is actually beneficial for the animal for example when it comes to leopard geckos um i my my leopard gecko enclosure is like just one pile of big flat um stones this is some special kind of stone i don't know the name it's uh, uh let me google it it's you know you will know what i mean is it a slate uh, yeah yeah i think it's slate it's like it's this this gray stuff that's moving yeah yeah. yeah, I have yeah. Big plate plates, like just one on each other. So um, they have several different hiding spots uh, in the, the hot zone and the cool zone under slate plates. And uh, the same goes for reptiles as for arachnids. They like to squish in small spaces. So I don't know if you ever go uh, get herping in the wild and... When you turn around stones, there are reptiles under it. They are, they don't like sit in the open or into big big caves. They really like to squish into small spaces. And it's way easier to 
dump uh, a load of uh, slates into your enclosure than like buying expensive heights that are this high and the animal mm. don't feel secure in it. So yeah, just just put some some stone plates and some roots in it, and the animal will really feel feel good and feel secure. Yeah, mm. yeah. My leopard gecko honey is um, just over a year now, and she loves to dig. You know, and it's it's a real joy to see her just doing animal stuff. Mm. You know, just mm. just vibing and living her best life, mm. and. And like you sort of touched on there, Hannah, as you said, you know, it's easier to set them up naturally. I can't imagine how annoying it is to have to change newspaper every mm. couple of days. Like, oh, that yeah. must be really annoying. And it, yeah, yeah, there's nothing about what what's beneficial about newspaper. What's beneficial about The it? only person it benefits is this shitty-ass keeper. Mm. I go in, I've got, um, I've got a, like, a pooper scooper, but it has holes in it. So, like, I poop. Mm. Like a cat little thing. Yeah, so I I scoop out her poop, sand, blah blah blah, clean around the area. But it's so easy to maintain mm. on sand. The cool thing yeah. about leopard geckos is that they always poop in the same spot. Yeah, so, <laughs> I've yeah. built an um, uh, artificial background for them out of uh, styrofoam and um, other stuff. I I don't remember. I think I was like. 12 when I built it but um, it's like this this artificial background with um, many places to lay on for them and to climb on and they always poop on the same like platform and it's so easy because you can just take your vacuum cleaner and suck it up <laughs> yeah the best thing ever. they don't yeah. poop in the substrate they don't poop on the on the wood or at the on the stones they just do it on this background wall and it's so easy to clean mm -hmm. that's so useful yeah. Honey always poos in a cold hide. I, I don't really even call it a cold hide anymore. It's just a toilet. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. When I redecorate Tango's tank, I always put, it's the back corner hide, this like yeah. little square thing. That's her toilet. And I have to put it back every is it, time. <laughs> is it like a corner one and it looks like steps? Yeah. That's yeah. exactly the same as Honey's. And that's the one she yeah. poops in. So unless anyone has anything to add to that, I'm going to close off Shitty Keeper of the Week. No, that that makes perfect sense. Yeah, because yeah. I wanted to end on positivity. As yeah, always, as we always should. Yes. So the next step, I'm going to do question of the week. What is your proudest moment in the hobby? Rich, you can go first. Um, I'm ashamed of everything I've ever done. Okay. <laughs> um, no, brilliant. I think I was quite, I, I was always quite, um, I had quite a lot of trepidation about moving on to, what would be considered more, um, shall we say, sort of goey, adventurous, sort of um, venomous tarantulas. For the first year, I think, of being in the hobby, all my tarantulas were um, new world terrestrial um, terrestrials. Okay. Um, and I think that, um, actually, I think I bought my first fiery um, reputation tarantula off you. It was an adult male OBT, a mature male. And I remember ah. you, when you said, I've got a list of things for sale, and I said, oh, I'll have the mature male, you questioned me and said, it's a mature male, are you sure you want it? And I wanted a mature male because I knew, and this sounds awful, that it was going to be near the end of its life. Um, so I wanted to see how well I could do, whether I was going to, it was going to suit me, whether I was a capable enough keeper to keep a more um, active, possibly aggressive tarantula. Um 
so I took this mature male knowing that I could either A, give it back to you if I really didn't get on with it, or I knew that I'd probably only be caring for it for a year um, as a mature male um, if I didn't if, if I didn't take to it. Mm. Um, and I kind of quite, I'm quite proud of um, being aware of my own limitations and not going in balls deep with, you know, um, um, H. maculatas and do you know what I mean? I didn't go straight in for something that was going to be too dangerous or... I'm still at balls deep, honestly. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I just wanted... I, I was quite proud that I was aware of my own limitations to not rush into something I'd regret yeah. for either my safety or the tarantula's safety. Yeah, I think that's something definitely to be proud of, like mm. having the discipline to tell yourself not yeah. just yet. Not, not just not just because I want it, not just because I think it's going to be fun to have, Yeah, but be aware of tarantula care comes first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Leah? Mine, and as soon as you said that question... I immediately thought of the moment when Tango laid her first little eggs. Oh, I'm going to get emotional just talking about it because I was so emotional when it happened. For Sorry. the dear listeners, tell us who Tango is. My leopard gecko. My queen, the prince, the apple of my eye. <laughs> she was your she first runs. reptile, right? Since getting back into reptiles yeah okay. from when I was younger and so she after she turned one which was last July her birthday is so she turns two this July coming um she stopped eating all winter essentially all winter and I was like dead worried about her but she wasn't losing any weight and then in the summer she had a ravenous appetite she just would not stop eating so after a ravenous eating then she stopped and then she spent her whole, like every day, all night in a humid hide box with all the moss that I keep in. And she was just digging and digging and digging. And I was like, this is really weird. She's never done that before. She's probably got eggs. I was like, no, never. You know, lo and behold, I come in one day and she sat on two perfect white, heavy eggs. So when, when she abandoned them, um, I quickly took them out and I felt so bad because she went looking yeah. for them. I'll cry. Oh, no, don't. And I I took them out and I was, they were, they were perfect. Mm. It was a very emotional moment. You've me. done something so right with her care that she was able to do what she should be doing naturally. Exactly. What's yours, Hannes? Um, so as, as Leah said, um, like reading stuff makes, uh, always makes you proud. Because it's, it's so cool to see like the process of laying eggs or building an egg sack or giving birth or anything like that. That's that's cool every time. And I don't get tired of seeing it because mm. like it doesn't matter if it's the first time a scorpion gives birth or the hundredth time. It's cool every time. Um, but I think my proudest moment in the hobby was when I had my heteropoda boy egg sack or the first egg sack of this species. These are the... Um, yeah, these are huntsman spiders from Malaysia. The males mm. are really pretty, really green. The females mm. are just brown, but they are really beautiful too. And they get really big. They are like one of the biggest two spiders you can get in the hobby. And um, I bred species before, but this was the first species that was not really rare, but kind of rare at the moment. And at this moment, when I had the egg sack, I was 
one of the few, if not the only guy in, uh, in not in whole Europe probably, but just in Germany and Austria who had them and people wanted them. And uh, like many people asked me if I, if I uh, sold them or if I sell them to them. And that was uh, just such a cool feeling to breed a species that is wanted yeah. Um, so don't have to to buy wild wild cards. Um, so I had like this this feeling of I I did something good for the hobby, and um, yeah. this was really cool. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Mm. Yes, <laughs> I am literally so bad at segueing. Okay, next and finally is my favorite part of every episode. It's keeper of the week. Oh yeah! <laughs> Woo! Now. Being someone who knows a lot of people, I, I like to think I'm like a gal about town, but within the community. Middle management, yeah. So, <laughs> um, it's very hard. I What I've tried to do so far in the podcast is not recommend people that I'm close to because I don't want it to come off as nepotism. Mm. But the thing is, the people that I am closest to in the hobby are fucking excellent keepers, so fuck it. This week's Keeper of the Week is Bear off of Bear's Eight-Legged Freaks because he is... Do you know what I love, right? His care is great. He's the nicest guy, but mm. also he is so community-focused. Yes, yeah. And yeah, I feel yeah. like that lines up with me. Like, I love speaking to other keepers. I love hearing about their passions. I love bringing people together I just love the community that we have, and I he does that. Uh, he does as well. Mm. I love Bear. There's not a lot. There's actually no, not a lot is an over exaggeration. There is nothing that can be said about Bear that isn't good. And if if there is anyone, I'll kick their head in. Mm. There, there, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's as sound as it gets. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, I Excellent agree. Excellent choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. We can. Hey. <laughs> awesome. Well, that is our is that sixth, seventh, fifth, sixth, sixth entrant. Could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. He is an entrant yeah. to the Hall of Fame. Um, so that kind of brings our episode to a close, really. Fantastic. I've had such mm. I've enjoyed this episode a lot. And me. I've learned a lot. It's been such a learning yeah. experience. I've learned that I'm a very boring um scorpion keeper. Just, just a boring keeper would have done yes. it. Yeah. No, just a boring keeper, you just keep boring scorpions. Okay. Oh. I appreciate that. You know that I can take that. That's a win. Um, but I, I think um like I think you are all right though, but it is almost like I'm I was a classic example of a tarantula keeper who got a scorpion and I went for exactly the way you said it. I was like, I want the biggish blackish classic scorpion and and i very rarely see it it very rarely does anything um but i do love it yeah i feel really bad because i bought that for you, you did yeah but that is why a part of why i love it as well yeah well i yep. thank you i just want to thank you i genuinely want to say thank you for um for joining us it's been um again i've said it but genuinely genuinely enjoyable it's been actually oh, yeah. a privilege to listen to someone so knowledgeable and passionate thank you very much yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And obviously, you are welcome on again anytime. Anytime. Yeah, I feel, I feel uh, really honoured to be here. Um, thank you really much for inviting me. And uh, yes, it would be fun to, to talk uh, to you again. Yeah. Usually, it's just yeah. me screaming. Yeah. <laughs>
yeah. <laughs> screaming about something completely yeah. irrelevant. Yeah, I, I think it is. Mm-hmm. It is the, I, I mean, I think you're our, mm-hmm. our second guest. Yeah. And we, we've been very, very blessed to have both guests have been fantastically interesting and knowledgeable. And it, it, yeah. they are such different episodes because... You know, we don't. We can't add anything to what you can offer us. It's it's literally just a learning experience for us, and we are like, we're like almost like in awed into silence by someone that genuinely yeah. is so deeply knowledgeable, and yeah. I think it's fantastic. For once, yeah. like I didn't have to say anything stupid. Yeah, it was nice. Thank you so much, and thank you everyone that's listening. Right, to you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.